there, Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Friday's episode number 35, I think. Yes, 35 always with the episode numbers. And once again, I'm joined by Mr. Richard Morgan. Hello, what's up? Hello, I'm good. Welcoming all of our friends back to the show and also any enemies who might be watching. Because <laughs> we like to keep you close too. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm good. How are you, Vlad? How are things? Uh, I'm good, thanks as well. Uh, I'm thinking that whether this channel should be renamed Catless Studios or something, because now our cats are officially gone. Both are at their new homes, happy homes. So, like, both parties who got our cats, like, we had to separate the two, as we've talked about over the past few episodes. And all the new owners are incredibly happy. So we're happy. But it's still weird. Like, I sometimes, like, I, we've had cats for 10 years. So, like, I'm kind of uh, expecting to see one somewhere at, like, when a door is slightly open, one of them trying to push through or something like that. But they're not yeah, here yeah. anymore. Mm, but that is sad. It is sad, but also, yeah, it's it's great that it went this way, so... All as good yeah. as they say in Norway. They do indeed. You know what we could do? I've noticed, based on how you've looked in the previous two episodes, you could rename the channel Hat Pick Studios. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, maybe I need to start like shopping for new hats and have a new one for every episode. I'm not sure if that's a good idea or not, but that's quite a my wife's into yes. flea market quite a lot, so maybe... Mm -hmm. Maybe she can source me some new hats. Yeah, definitely. I think you should run with that. Yeah. So it's I an expect idea. a new hat every week from now on. Cool. <laughs> I still have a few left, so yeah, maybe. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for watching, listening, subscribing, liking, commenting, all of those things. And as always, this episode is available here on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. And... If you're interested in a certain topic, there's timestamps in the description. So check it out if you want, especially to dive into a certain topic. Otherwise, just going to briefly mention that we are going through so many topics today that I need to cheat because I otherwise forget all of them or some of them. I don't know, possibly all of them. First of all, I got a new YouTube channel. In a second, I'll tell you why it exists and what's the point in everything. We want to talk about the JHS pack rat. Uh, we call it Fallout because the responses have been plenty and the kind of... There's been positive ones, not so positive ones, some weird ones as well. So we're going to dive into that. Uh, we'll talk about Fender buying the Presonus company that for, are probably best known for the preamps and Studio One DAW. Uh, then Guitar Magazine, the guitar magazine from UK, I think, unless I'm wrong. Uh, yep, it's going fully, yeah, it's going fully online. Electro Harmonics released the Intelligent Harmony Machine, which honestly sounds Pretty damn amazing. Joyo King of Kings, uh, you might guess what pedal they're going for. They have that. 
Pat Martino's passing at the age of 77, and lists. We got more lists. The never-ending flow, flow, I don't know, flow, feed of lists, something like that. Best telecasters of 2021. I'm personally very mm. sad about that. Then there's the albums of a life pick. And I guess since Rich, you already know what I'm talking about, like the album I'm picking, I'm going to mention it here as well. Uh, I'm pe- no. picking all the... Sorry? <laughs> I was going to say, no, say no. Don't mention it now. Make them watch really? the whole all episode. Right. Yes. Make them wait. <laughs> Let's make Especially them wait. if they're the okay. enemies who are listening, because they they got to watch the whole thing. That's true. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> we, we can watch. I'm going full full egoistic here, and I'm going to recommend you my own video, so make it as you will. <laughs> Maybe I just ran out of ideas. I'm not sure yet. But yeah, let's talk about my new channel in the segment that recaps things that have happened over the past few days, also known as recent happenings. I'm on fire today. Pew, pew. Indeed, things that have happened recently, and one of those things is my new channel called Catpick Studios Music. Incredibly inventive, I know. And mm-hmm. Rich, Very you original. probably have... Yes, indeed. You probably have gazillion questions. Now it's your time to ask those. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Long story short, uh, I got tired of the fact that Anytime I release anything non-gear related on the bigger channel, it just tanks. Absolutely no one watches it, and I'm not blaming you, my dear viewer slash listener. It's that I've built my channel around doing gear demos, especially the f- first few years was like 100% gear, like with an occasional like a original song dropped in every now and then. And I'm sensing that YouTube is moving more and more into like fairly focused channels and it seems to be pushing those pretty well. And I've also noticed that like we've built this Cat Pick Fridays thing, thing consistently and we started to get nice views and clicks and subscribers go up and everything like it, it works really well. But anytime I drop anything like uh, like a mixing lesson or a breakdown of like a song arrangement or anything like that. It just doesn't get shown. Like, it's not that people aren't interested in that. I feel like it's not getting shown to people at all. So I honestly don't have anything to lose here by trying to do this on the second channel instead. So I'll actually be moving some of my original music and some of my lessons and things like that onto the new channel and see how it goes. And so far, so good. I'm actually kind of excited about this. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a brave step into a new experiment, really. I I agree with what you say about how YouTube really seems to push kind of focused and almost niche channels. (coughs) And I've, I've seen it with other channels, other people who have established presences on YouTube who who make a certain kind of video and then they branch out and start doing other stuff and their numbers kind of go the way they wouldn't want them to. They they either stay where they were yeah. or they go down. And I have seen that a few people have started to do second channels recently. I've seen a bunch of people try 
actually quite a few different things over recent months. And it's really interesting to see how YouTube takes these videos. And I would love to know how they choose how to push them out to your subscribers and into the wider world and stuff like that. But for you, I think this is a cool idea. Give it a chance. Like you said, you've got nothing to lose. And let's see what happens with Catpix Studios music. It's a, it's a cool idea and I hope it runs with it. And yeah, let's see how many subs you pick up now after having mentioned this on Catpix Fridays. That is true. Everybody sub to Catpix video. Studios music. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, and as shooting this episode, I have seven subscribers. I haven't really pushed this channel that much in my social media or anything because I kind of wanted to grow organically, if you will, but I obviously have to mention it here on this show because it just makes sense. And also, like, there's many sides to this because uh, when I've been releasing, like, these lessons or mixed breakdowns or anything like that, uh, not only my views on the bigger Catpick Studios channel tank, but they're like, it takes time for it to get back to normal level. And actually, this whole year has been very, very weird where my views just dropped by like 45% from the beginning of the year and never came back. And that's really weird. And there's definitely some sort of shift in YouTube happening in that sense. And let's see if this works or not. I'm personally kind of excited because now I can publish all the music-related stuff on this new channel. And don't worry about it hurting the kind of gear channel and vice versa. So that's really cool. Um, I feel it gives me some freedom to kind of experience, like, yeah, do both while also kind of not hurting the momentum, so to speak. Yeah, so we'll exactly. See. Yeah. I'm kind of excited about this, to be honest. So, yeah. Uh, oh, one more thing. I have all of these ideas about also like mm, doing like a double feature video, so to speak. So let's say on the Catpix Studios music channel, I'll do a mix breakdown and then I could take that same song and the same make mix breakdown and on the gear side of things, talk about the gear and how I achieved all the tones for that same mix and the same song as well. I do like this kind of cross not platform, cross-channel collaboration within something, something. I don't know how to explain it, but I think you got the idea. So, kind of the same project, but two different angles on it. So, if you're more into the gear yes. stuff, you can watch that video. And if you're more into the song production or mixing or anything like that, then there's the other side of that as well. Cramming all of that into one video wouldn't work, I think, with the way... YouTube works now. So, yeah, to me, this makes sense. Yeah, try it. That's that's the thing. You have the, the luxury of being able to experiment now. So it's Indeed. going to be interesting to follow the progress of this channel over the upcoming months and years. Yep. I got some cool ideas for this new channel. And yeah, well, actually, like one of the reasons I haven't really dived into those ideas just yet is because I kind of knew that uh, those ideas require a lot of work and time, and it. I would hate it that if I would put it, like so much effort into those videos, and then they would never pick up because my channel is mainly kind of listed in YouTube algorithms thing as a gear channel. 
So, yeah. At least right now, I feel pretty excited about this. And yeah, once again, nothing to lose. Anyway, enough of me. Let's talk about other things. JHS Packrat came out last week. And the response has been interesting to follow, say the, to say the least, because some people were excited. Some people were like, yeah, sure, whatever. And we've also seen some kind of negative or very interesting responses, uh, including from some of the other brands as well. And yeah, what have been your observations on the response to this pedal? Well, firstly, I would want to say that we recorded our episode last week before the pedal came out, so there was no yes. official word on it. We were going off rumor, what we kind of knew. We tapped up some people that we know who were somehow involved with the release, maybe, and talked to people in the industry that we know, and we got everything right, basically. So, you know, it was a kind of an open secret at that point, but it's good that we didn't feed any false rumors or anything into the into the <laughs> society. And then the pedal came out last Friday, and there is a, a video that we're looking at on the screen right now by JHS themselves that goes into minute detail about the nine different rat models that have been put into the pack rat pedal. There's been other super cool videos that have come out from people. For example, our friend Eirik from Living Room Gear Demos has done a very, very cool sounding video, which sells the pedal to me, as he so often does, because yep. he makes everything sound really good. There's a few more as well. Uh... Search JHS Packrat and you'll see those. But my thoughts were, it's amazing to see how far JHS has come. And I personally still have mixed feelings about the pedal because a lot of the feedback I was seeing kind of reflects how I feel about this pedal as well. And it's like, yeah, every single rat is in that pedal. And I would love to try them all, but I feel like if I bought the pedal, I would probably end up settling on my favorite sound or possibly two and cycling between those and not making the most of the rest of the pedal, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And there were also people saying, yeah, this is a great pedal for people who have never really had a rat and might want to try the different main types and then use it as a starting point, a testing pool. And that theme follows the other two JHS pedals that have different pedals in them, the Muffaletta, the Big Muff pedal, and the Bonsai Tube Screamer pedal. And I agree with that too. And I think I probably said that last week as well. I can't remember. I haven't watched it again. But it's kind of an expensive way to get into finding out which rat you would like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yep. But there we go. So that's just a couple of mixed points which come out of my own head. Overall, removed from all the rest of the context, I think it sounds like an awesome pedal. I visited a music shop at the weekend for the first time in ages and I asked them if they had it in, but they didn't. I don't think they even knew about it, to be honest with you. They, they looked mm. at me like I was mad when I asked them if they had it and they told me that they didn't. Um, but yeah, I'd love to try this pedal. I'm a big rap fan, as you know, and it, it looks like it's going to be really, really good. I was surprised just at how mixed the feedback was too and I feel like there may be in some ways an element of jealousy, possibly, from some corners, because JHS has grown from a a smaller pedal builder into this massive company and a YouTube powerhouse in the past couple of years, and they've done an amazing job there. And there's always been a little bit of controversy around JHS and some of the previous stuff that's happened with them, which 
you know, we're not going to go into here, but you can find on the internet mm. if you want. And, you know, maybe some people resent the success that's happened. And I know that this has been the biggest pedal release in JHS's history. You can read posts on their Instagram about that. So congratulations to them. The one thing that annoys me is that you can't actually get the pedal yet. It's another example mm. of a big launch and there's nothing in the shops anywhere near me to to even order. So that that sucks. <laughs> Yeah, except that think, one. Lad? Yeah, except that one store in London where you could actually buy it a couple of days before the release. Oh yeah, except Which that is, if you're going to count that as near me, then yes, apart from them. And I think there's a couple of stores in the UK that seem to have it. But I looked even yesterday on the German distribution partner for JHS's page, and this pedal is not even on there yet. So I don't know. I did also hear that the release of the pack rat was pushed forward because there were going to be leaks and stuff like that. So they decided to, mm. to go, maybe, I don't know, one, two, three weeks, maybe even longer, maybe that much yeah. further forward with the release. And maybe that's why shops haven't got it over here. But it would be super cool if we could actually buy the pedal. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I feel Boss has kind of spoiled us with the fact that when they release something new, it's pretty much in the stores right away. Which is yeah. Well, but they're a gigantic brand and like Roland is a true powerhouse. So it's a different thing from almost anyone else. Maybe I think Fender might be the only other company who who do that. So Yeah, I mean Fender were generally very good with that, but it's also changed since the corona pandemic, and you've seen that there's been quite a few Fender and Squire guitars as well, which are just not in stores. So yeah, that that's made everything harder too. So let's cut the brands a little bit of slack, I guess. But still, yeah, that that is true as well. But yeah, I have to agree. Like, this feels like there's this kind of annoyance slash, um, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna say as well, like jealousy factor, because it feels like some people are annoyed by the fact that they put all of the different rat circuits into this one pedal, and yeah, like as if this is going to make all the other red pedals obsolete now. Like that, that, that feels like that's the initial reaction from some people or companies, yeah. even. Even though, like, we've had exactly the same kind of thing happen with a bunch of other pedals, and those haven't made, for example, the original tube screamer obsolete in any way. No, exactly. You know, just as a side note to this discussion, I literally, while while you were talking, I went to the German distributor of JHS pedals. That's Warwick Music Distribution, by the way. And they have now put the pack rat onto their website. So it's there, and it says mm. there will be pedals available in about four weeks. So nothing there yet. We're going to have to wait another month to get it. But that's already a plus, I think. And the pedal is priced yeah. at 289 euros. So that's... That's not, nothing. <laughs> 289. 289, whoa. That's, uh, that? I mean, it's a lot of money for a distortion pedal, but when you consider there's nine different pedals in it, it seems like slightly less. That would actually lead me to another bit of the fallout, because a lot of people were saying, JHS haven't made nine different circuits. There's not nine different rats in there. It's just, you know, different clipping hmm. alternatives. It's not full different circuit changes, but JHS have yeah. gone to lengths now to explain that actually this is nine different circuits. And there's an Instagram post that 
they've made where they say that in a standard rap pedal you have 33 components in the in the signal chain in the pack rat there's 261 it's split across three separate circuit boards it has 40 different analog switching components and all of that is controlled by some kind of magical digital switching system so what you are actually doing oh. is not just changing one circuit slightly you know different clipping diodes or whatever you're actually switching between different separate circuits so that does make it a bit of a game changer in that way and that makes it different to some of the other pedals that are already out there that offer only different clipping modes for example but yeah mm. it, it's been a mixed bag i i guess that's also proof of jhs's status being much higher than it used to be you know the fact that there are people who love it and people who don't like it you know there is yeah. no general indifference but everyone has an opinion on it because jhs is one of the the hottest brands out there right now yep but i've just decided spontaneously that 290 euros is too much for me to spend on that pedal yeah. so i shan't I was, be purchasing I was just one just yet yeah i i just kind of want to get that like a standard rather than maybe like it paired with a boss eq <laughs> probably be good like i'm good to go with those but for some people this might be exactly what they wanted but yeah it's definitely not like every man's rat so to speak and which is funny because it has every man's rat inside it that is true but that (laughs) but like not everybody needs every single rat so no exactly i mean i think it's a super cool idea and at the end of the day what i also think is really cool is that in jhs's own video josh scott says buy the proco rat so you know Mm. that's nice yeah i like it's been a week or two ago where when he also had the what's the french pedal company anna sounds yeah they like he the video was titled us anna sounds pedals suck and they definitely don't suck and yeah i i love that like they're also promoting other brands and stuff like that. So, but I can see also yeah, that, when people get down with. It. Yeah, that's the new but way of yeah. doing things. You know, it's it, it, it just makes exactly. total sense. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, one of the most interesting releases in a while, both from the product standpoint, but also the reaction. So there's that. <laughs> but yeah, let's jump to the next one. Fender has bought Personas. And if you don't know what Prestonus is, it's the company that has produced the Studio One DAW and also some of the legendary preamps. Did they make audio interfaces as well? Maybe that's how I that's how I knew Prestonus from audio interfaces. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it it like Fender has been acquiring other companies over the past some years. And I guess this kind of makes sense. They are, are they like the biggest music kind of instrument brand in the world? I think they are. That's what it says in the official press release, yes. Oh, there's that. So there you go. And yeah. Uh, The question is, why has Fender done this? Why have they merged with Presonus? Because officially, it's a merger. Mm. What what's, what what yeah, does Fender stand to benefit from that? 
And what does PreSonus stand to benefit from merging with Fender? Uh, my guess would be PreSonus would have a way better supply chain and just access to more uh, manufacturing power, so to speak. And then Fender, on the other hand, could, for example, launch their own, let's say, audio interface range paired with the amazing, amazing Studio One DAW. And like, there's a lot of opportunities from like, for both sides, I'd say. Yeah, that's what I feel like this could be about. It kind of makes sense. But then again, it's always sad that like a big company as this diagram shows, the big companies were like personas. Yes, and by the way, for anybody watching, we don't believe that this is the official image that Fender sent out with its press release. I hope so. Of them being kind of a Pac-Man <laughs> figure, which is eating the Prisoda symbol. I believe the yes. Gear News, which is the source we're using, has made that themselves. It's a nice yes. diagram, though. I, I do like it. So, yeah. yeah, I mean... Like you say, over the decades, Fender have taken over a lot of companies. You know, they've owned companies like Hammond Organ for for decades, mm. and in the last five or six years, they've come out with things like Fender Play. So they've moved away from just making instruments. That's kind of learning. You know, getting better at guitar as well. And Fender Play is apparently doing very well. And now, getting PreSonus on board that takes them into the recording side of things both with software mm. and with hardware. So in, in that way, it makes sense. PreSonus is a, a very good brand. It has a great reputation. I've never personally owned a PreSonus audio interface, and I've never used Studio One, but I've only heard good things from people who do use them. And it just feels like this gives Fender a, an excellent outlet to expand in those areas. Obviously, for PreSonus, they get the benefits of being stable now, being part of Fender. I don't know if they were instable before as a company, but now they have that stability mm. as being part of Fender. And they also have now access to, for example, Fender's massive you know, distribution chain, like you said, the advantages yep. of their manufacturing. And presumably, there will now be a lot more Fender artists who are going to be using and marketing PreSonus products as well. So that's cool. Yep. For PreSonus, yeah. anyway. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh- I, I kind of almost like this move in a way. And oh, at least like I have more confidence in Fender do like treating all this well compared to Gibson. Because <laughs> yeah. Fender seems to know what they're doing. Uh, I'm not always sure about that with the big G. So I know what you mean. There have been many yeah. stories about Gibson over the years. And I also agree, I think this is a cool move. On the other hand, there's always a part of me in the background, you know, my day job hat saying, it's always, in a way, a sad day when another small company disappears into one of the larger corporations because it will also, mm. it will affect the competition, it will affect how things happen in future, it will make it harder for other independent companies to come out there because they won't be able to compete against PreSonus anymore because they'll have now that unlimited or effectively unlimited Fender budget to, to do whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's a free market. So the consumer wins, yep. I guess, is the, the story at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Uh, 
some a thing where consumer might not win is the fact that guitar magazine is becoming fully um, how do you say digital I guess the next yeah, issue apparently is the last physical issue they're going to put out yeah exactly this is a really sad story for me personally it's not that they're going digital because they already have a website and they won't be making a digital version of the magazine they're just stopping the print edition so issue 400 will be the last one and that for me as a you know a trained journalist and a a lifelong hobby guitar player and reader of guitar-based magazines, it's it's a sad day. I mean, guitar has been one of the very best out there for the past few years. In recent years, it's been edited by a chap called Chris Vinicom, who I know, who used to previously work for Music Radar and Future Publishing. And he's now the last editor of Guitar.com and Guitar Magazine. And they've done very well in recent years with the magazine, but also with the digital side. So the website mm. is getting better and better all the time and apparently their traffic has gone up i think i read in the press release something like a thousand percent something ridiculous like that so they're doing very well and they're also finding much more of a global audience and obviously the print magazine doesn't go global as easy as a website does so in a way it makes sense the world is going online but i still like paper magazines when i can get them and i'm sad that another one is closing down it will basically only leave the future publishing magazines in the UK. You'll have guitarist, total guitar, and guitar techniques. So, yeah. sad times, but a good opportunity for, for what's to come. And I hope they have good plans to improve things even further. And apparently they yeah. do. So, there we go. I feel there's a room for like less, well, some like well done journalism slash online content when it comes to guitars and just like the whole kind of universe around that, because uh, let's face it, for example, music radar that we quote quite a lot, uh, it's all about the clicks. In the, like clickbaitiest thing you can do. I'm sorry, music radar, but you know that that's exactly what you're doing. It's not a secret to anyone. And like just going to this website itself, like Sure, there's few ads, but already it's like it's more calm. There's there isn't like one thousand different ads flashing in my face, and every like even this layout here on the side is kind of more structured, and like what what uh, all the articles kind of pop out a bit more, and yeah, already it looks a bit better to me at least. So yeah, yeah. I think that. Get- Guitar Magazine has been about more high-quality and long-form journalism as well. Mm. And when you look at a lot of other guitar magazines, and I'm just generalizing here, I'm not victimizing anybody or attacking anybody, you'll always see every month, if you look at all the guitar magazines together, you'll see there's at least one Joe Bonamassa cover, there'll be a John Mayer cover, there'll be the standard thing every month. And of course, Guitar Magazine covers those as well because... They're, you know, some of the most famous guitar players out there. But I think they've also yeah. gone to lengths to make sure that they're doing more original ideas as well. So I respect them a lot for that. And they have a great team of writers and they've done some great stuff and hopefully they will carry on doing that. I mean, yep. you know, being a digital website from now on, it just gives them the chance to to focus everything on that and not worry too much about 
the dwindling advertising that they get for the print magazine, you know. Being a print magazine yeah. in 2021 is super challenging. For me personally, yeah, it's like a dagger through the heart because, you know, I'm a trained writer and journalist myself and it's one less print publication in my interest group, you know. So. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm also thinking like this gives them, I don't know if they have a YouTube channel already, but like there's a great opportunity to also pair like the well-written articles with some video, like create this kind of, not in the sense like multimedia experiences, but like pair a couple of different things to create like new ex ways of kind of consuming uh, kind of guitar content, I guess. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they will try and do that as well. It makes total sense. I mean, when you think about guitar magazines, the one massive disadvantage that a magazine has over a YouTube review or a video is that you can't hear the product, you know? Yes, exactly. You can read a brilliantly written, perfectly formatted and excellently photographed review of a guitar in a magazine and read every tiny detail about it and know that you want it. But then you can go and watch a 30-second YouTube video and actually hear how it sounds. And that's something that a magazine can never can never do. And there have been a couple of magazines that have tried to be sort of hybrids and do the, the print thing and the online thing. And back in the day, magazines like Guitarist used to have an accompanying CD with them where you would, you know, <laughs> get tabs and lessons and also playing examples from some guitar reviews. But the future is just, it's online only, you know, it's digital. Yep. Yep. Let's jump to the next thing. EHX has released the Intelligent Harmony Machine. Uh, I haven't seen, like, I have to confess, I haven't, is it 2001 Space Odyssey? Haven't seen that movie. You haven't seen Fish that. In time. You know, it's a classic. But this, like, even, even without ha having seen, like, I, I know all the memes and everything. This, like, <laughs> this looked like, uh, is it HAL 9000? What, what's the name of the onboard yeah. computer? Yeah. yeah, it looks like that, Hell. and I love it. It looks great. <laughs> and based on the demo, as we've talked about before, like electroharmonics don't really do YouTube with other people. They just do their own demos, and it just looks like it sounds absolutely fantastic. There's so many things packed in this. Not only you get all the kind of standard harmonizing thing, but you also get uh, uh, like doubling and octaves up and below. And then there's also the double track feature, meaning like you can go stereo out of the pedal and have like two tracks that are like slightly delayed with each other as well. And all kinds of cool things. It does so so much and yeah it looks cool it sounds amazing and it's only 230 dollars which for to me sounds fairly reasonable for everything it does so yeah like i got really excited about this pedal and that doesn't happen to me too often anymore so well done electro harmonics <laughs> yeah i think this looks great as well and i feel like one thing I am waiting for is the deluxe version to come 
because you know they often will make a, a single stompbox mm. version of a pedal these days and then bring out a deluxe version later with more capabilities maybe maybe with a second foot switch blah 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 but this looks super cool you know and it, it seems yeah. to do so many different effects it does the harmony stuff but like you said it can also be an octave pedal or a pitch shifter it can be a stereo doubler it can do so much it looks like it's going to be so fun and it could effectively replace you know your ehx pog for octave or organ stuff it could replace the pitchfork for doing all the different um you know what you call it Oh god, mm. my mind's gone blank. <laughs> the pitchfork, you know, where you can go down a, a tone, a semitone, or whatever. Yeah, like it's what is like the word for that? Pitch shifting, like so. You mean yeah, doing pitch like shifting. a transition? Exactly. My mind just yeah, yeah. My mind just went totally blank. So it re- could replace that as well. It seems to do single notes or polyphonic chords. It seems to have a key button, so you can put in what key you're playing in, and the intelligent harmonies will relate to the key you're playing in. So. Yes. An excellent jamming and songwriting tool as well. This looks like a whole bunch of fun. Again, I tried yeah. to do some searches to find out if it's available in Europe at all at the moment, and there doesn't seem to be anything. So I guess we have to yeah. wait on that one. But this looks like a really, really cool little pedal. Yep, definitely. Yeah, I'm immediately thinking of all the ways I could use this uh, with an acoustic guitar for some reason. Like, got me excited. So... Uh, it's nice to see something different. Yeah, definitely. That's that's the thing. Like, it looks cool. It sounds cool. And like when you mentioned poker, I kind of had forgotten that it's also an electroharmonics product, and they're like at the top of the harmonization game or something, or however you want to call it. Like, Pog is very well known and and one of the best kind of octave or harmonizing pedals, and this is uh, then, again, next level stuff. So, yeah. Plus, it just looks pretty damn cool. So, well done. It does. And also, electroharmonics, how many new pedals have they brought out recently? They're so busy. Their R&D team is constantly on it. So, well done to them. So it seems. Yeah, so it seems. Yeah, highly recommend you check out the video and to get the full grasp of what you can do with this single pedal. And yeah, we'll obviously links to this in the show notes. But let's jump to the next one, which is Joyo, <laughs> King of Kings. And as you might guess, it is a King of Tone-ish sound. That's what it's going for. <laughs> There's even a King of Tone <laughs> image in the article on gearnews.com. Uh, yeah, um, first of all, should we talk about the name? We talked about the moist reverb a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago. <laughs> and honestly, this kind of continues the route they've chosen to go. Because... Yeah. There, there will be some worship musicians who will refuse to use this because of the name. Let's put it that way. You think? Okay. Yeah, it might be. It's 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 not as bad as moist reverb, but, but imagine still. if they tried to uh, if they did like a a mix of the two and it was the moist king. That would be even worse. <laughs> I was thinking king of moist, but yes, or or king of moist. I mean. We should probably copyright those names right now and cash in when Joey tries to make them. But 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to the pedal, what do you what do you think about it? There are so many different King of Tone clones and homages nowadays. It's hard to know where where we stand. Yeah, my question would be like, do we need one more? Like, <laughs> there is there's just so many. And yeah, do we have a price for this Joyo one? Sorry. Do we have a price for the Joyo one? Uh, roughly 75 euros. So it's it's very affordable. That's cheap. So you could buy about six King of Kings pedals for the price of one King of Tone to get it shipped over to Europe anyway. So that's a, that's a big difference for sure. The question yeah. is, will it perform as well? And I mean, obviously... In the article, they ask the question, are they the same? And the first word is unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> That's some high-quality journalism here. <laughs> yeah, if you read the rest of the paragraph, this has clearly not been written with kind of, yeah, yeah, journalistic integrity in mind. It's just to the point, exactly. Um, yeah, but yeah, one thing I like about this pedal is that you've got the two sides of the King of Tone, so you've got a volume again and a tone control for each. It's two overdrives, kind of blues breaker circuit overdrives for anybody who's not familiar with the King of Tone. And inside the King of Tone, you have a number of different dip switches which enable you to change the clipping. Um, mm. And on the Joyo pedal, these are actually on the top and the front of the pedal. So I find this actually an improvement on the original in that sense. True. That's cool. I like that. Because those are the kind of things that they tend to be set and forget controls with the King of Tone. So you'll find what you prefer, close the pedal and just leave it. But with the Joyo, you have the endless clicking opportunities. So there you go. That gives you yes. an extra option there. You shall, shall not forget type of switches. Yeah. Will it sound the same as a King of Tone? It will probably sound 90, 95% similar, you know, because it's, oh, sorry, unlikely, as Vlad is saying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Unlikely. <laughs> yeah. This should be a standard answer for a lot of things now. Unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It's another this pedal might... I would like to try. I'll say that. Yeah, that's true. But it's never There's true. also, I wouldn't um, mind trying. you know, with the King of Tone, there is a legendarily long waiting list to get a King of Tone pedal because they don't make that many. And mm. I'm actually on the list. I've been on the list since, I think, mid-2018. So maybe at oh, some really? point in 2022, I'll get to the top of the list and be able to buy a King of Tone pedal. But when you order your original King of Tone, there are different options that you can choose. You can choose to get, for example, one standard side with the standard amount of gain, and you can choose the other one to be standard or high gain mode, so you can get different amounts of overdrive on it. You can choose different kind of options when it comes to how many inserts you want. Do you want top jacks or side jacks? Do you want four? Blah, blah, blah. So there's a few different things you can do. And I would be interested to see what Joyo have gone for in that sense. Have they gone for the standard mm. King of Tone? Or have they gone for uh, high gain one side or high gain both sides? I'm not sure if that's mentioned in the article, but it would be very interesting to find that out. Mm. Yep. Yeah, apparently they went for the King of Stone version 4 circuit, or at least the article. 
Yeah, that's what it says. But again, with the with the version yeah. for King of Tone, you can order a standard version oh, yeah, the, or a high gain version on both sides. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what Joyo have gone for. My mm. guess is that they will have gone for a standard uh probably right side and on the left side they'll have gone for the the high gain King of Tone version. So yep. we'll find out at some point. We'll find out. And then at some point we'll have uh, the King of Kings version versus the King of Tone on your channel. So looking forward to that as not, well. Not on my channel. It'll be a race right now, you know. This pedal has just been announced. Oh. There will be a, a slew of gear YouTubers all trying to get one first so they can do the King of Tone versus the King of Kings uh, comparison. Yeah, that is That's true. how it is. It's all good. That's how it is. I love it. Good. Unlikely right. is my answer, though. To the question you didn't ask. Uh, yes, exactly. Jumping into some sad news, uh, Pat Martino, a jazz guitar legend, has passed at the age of 77. Um, I have to right away admit I didn't know much about him uh, before this news broke out, but uh, one of the most interesting things about Pat was that I'm trying to. I'm going to cheat a little bit. In 1980, he had a near-fatal brain aneurysm, and it left him with amnesia and no recollection of being able to play guitar. And he also like didn't remember anything about his music career. Like he was a jazz legend before this, and he basically completely relearned to play guitar and later relearned all of his songs and all of that and became a jazz great again and that's just an incredible story like there's a great video on Rick Beato's channel about it and yeah he yeah well there you go there, there's Rick Beato on the music radar channel and listening to some of the clips yeah, he was an amazing, amazing player, and it's the brain works in mysterious ways. Like it's very, very like it's I don't know. It's just absolutely crazy that he completely forgot everything about guitar and his career, and then he went back and became great again. Maybe even better than he was before. Crazy stuff. Was the the Rick Beato video that you're looking at there, was that produced before Pat Martino died or after? Uh, after. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, terribly sad news. I, I think I was also not familiar with Pat Martino at all, but he has an incredible story. And it was clear from all the tributes that have come out since from Rick Beato and from many outstanding professional musicians as well that he was a huge influence on so many people. And I haven't seen the Rick Beato video yet, but I'll be watching that at some point this weekend and everybody else do the same because Pat Martino seems to have been a very unique and influential player and a, a great person as well. And it's yep. another sad loss to the world of music. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Rick mentioned in his video, like, he was playing Pat Martino music to his son when his son was very young. And apparently his son really liked that music as well. And like 
I think Rick mentioned like his, his wife was asking like, why are you playing him this? And Rick, uh, Rick said to his wife like, he needs to hear these runs. They are so amazing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my, my, like my level of pushing music to my kids isn't at this level, but I am playing them a lot of stuff though. So, but not, not to this point. <laughs> yeah but yeah sad day but luckily we have his music and I I mean I probably need to dive into some of his catalog a little bit it it kind of sucks that a lot of like I find about this a uh, lot of like this happens a lot of times where I find about an artist when they've already passed but luckily we have all the Spotify's and Apple Music's and YouTube's so we can actually like Listen to their music and appreciate them, even though the person is gone already. But yeah, that's great. Uh, let's jump to something fun. We love these. We get a list, and we haven't actually looked at this list yet. Either of us. This is brought to you by GuitarWorld.com, and it's called Best Telecasters 2021. 11 top mm. Fender Tele-Electric guitars for all budgets and styles. So apparently it's just Fenders. Yeah, the way it's written in the headline, you would assume it's going to be official Telecaster models only. Indeed, yo. Otherwise they wouldn't be able to call them Teles. Did my mouse just die? I think so. Or maybe it didn't. Oh, I'm back. Yep. Uh, let's jump to number one. And it's the Squire Affinity Series Telecaster, priced at $229 slash £219. All the body, maple C-shaped neck, and fingerboard is the India Low Roller, which Rich loves, as we all know, 10, 22 frets. And Even yeah, though the one in the picture is quite clearly a maple fingerboard. <laughs> that is true, actually. But yeah. Yeah. Well, it could be very light ah. Indian laurel, but it's not. That's a maple board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is the absolutely best one or it's just that they're just listing, what was it, 15 best tellies. Uh Just, oh, sorry, 11. The, the 11 yeah. best. No, this can't be number one. It must just be a list of their top choices, but not going from 11 down to one. And it makes sense in a way to have the Squire Affinity Tele first because mm. that's the first guitar that lots of people will buy. I myself had one, a black one with a maple board many years ago. It cost less than half of what the current price is here. So it's amazing to see just how guitar prices and inflation have gone up in 10, 20 years or whatever. But yeah, they're mm. great guitars. They, they feel like real tellies. They sound like tellies. And mine was a, a great playing guitar too, straight out of the box. And I had it for a long, long time. I think I sold it. Yeah, It's been a long time since I've been home to check what gear I still have in England, but I think it's gone. But <laughs> yeah, it was a yeah. very, very good guitar. And if you're looking for a Telecaster as your first instrument, or if you're someone who has another type of guitar and wants to get a cheap Tele just to feel what it's all about, the Affinity is a great buy. Yeah. I would also say Tele is one of the best electric guitars to begin with because it can cover so many different styles well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's much more simple than something like a Strat, 
for example. Yes, it's, definitely. It's likely to be lightweight. It's very durable as well. You just have the two pickups. And yeah, I love tellies. That, that's well documented, but it's it's a great starter guitar for sure. Yep, definitely. Uh, number two, Fender Squire Classic Vibe 70s Thin Line Telecaster. Interesting. Didn't see this coming. Priced at $449 slash £329. So 400-ish euros, I guess. The most affordable Fender Semi-Hollow out there. Yeah, to be honest, I think with this list of 11 Fender Tellies, if it's only Fender and Squires that we're looking at, I'm not too surprised to see this on the list because they're basically going to be showing every single Tele model that you can get. (laughs) So there you go. I mean, you know, the... The classic vibe, seventies telly thin line. It's a niche telly for sure, as tellies go. But mm. I've played one in a shop only. I've not spent a lot of time with one. And the one I tried was a nice guitar. It was extremely heavy, especially considering mm. that it's a thin line and that you know there's air in that body. But it sounded yeah. good. It felt good. It looked good. Cool guitars. Yeah, and that gets four and a half out of five. And their downside is, yeah, the look isn't for everyone. Sure. It's, yeah. It definitely doesn't look like a traditional telly. So. Yeah, you're breaking the Telecaster mold with that guitar, that's for sure. But the, you know, the semi-hollow body, it gives you a different sort of airy tone. And the fact that it has wide-range humbuckers as well, it, it doesn't really sound like a, a telly that much either. It's closer mm. to their take on a Les Paul, isn't it? But Kind of. But, I mean, I love the classic wipe range. It's... Uh, to me, those are some of the best kind of affordable yet very, very well-made guitars out there. So, yep. Yeah, I agree 100%. I can approve. Number three is the Fender Player Telecaster. Great value option for those who want the Fender name. Price at $749, mm-hmm. $649. Um, yeah, I guess so. Seems very simple, traditional telly. Uh, think about this maple, where's the body wood? Older. Uh, older maple neck and maple or pal ferro fingerboard. Yeah. It's a telly. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the difference in these guitars is going to be the pickups as well. I've tried yeah, a few of the seems. Fender player guitars in shops and... They've also all been very heavy, very physically heavy guitars. And I have to say, the few player series guitars that I tried in shops, I wasn't personally that happy with. They just perhaps mm. hadn't been set up the way I would like them. But, you know, it's they sound like tellies and strats, because you can get strats as well. But yeah, what I would really like to have seen from this list would have been a little bit of context and comparison of each guitar. You know, we we move from the Squire Affinity to the Classic Vibe Thin Line to the Player Telecaster. What's the difference between these guitars? Who should be picking these guitars? I I wish that was Mm. mentioned in the article. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm also noticing that the first three guitars all have the six saddle bridges, so no traditional like three saddle bridges just yet. Unless the number number four. four has that. No, it doesn't. It's Fender Vintera 70s Telecaster Deluxe 
uh, an interesting choice, I'm gonna say. This is even more special because it's, yeah. This is, I guess, their take on the Les Paul even more than the Thin Line one. So, yeah, exactly. If you're looking for like spanky country tones, you're not going to go for a, a Telecaster Deluxe over a single coil equipped model. Yeah. I personally love the look of these guitars. Mm. The, the Tele Deluxe and the Tele Custom, I really like the four controls that you have as well it's less traditional telly for sure but there were a couple of bands when i was growing up that were highly influential over me as a as a player and as a musician and they had guitar players who played guitars just like this i shan't say who they were because they'll be coming up as one of my album of the week choices at some point in the near future but yeah cool guitars i think what's divisive about this one too is the 70s headstock the big yeah chunky 70s fender headstock which i personally don't have any problems with whatsoever yeah. I don't know if you do. I'm not a huge fan of that headstock, but uh, I also like I, I've grown used to it. I guess if I would get a guitar like that, I wouldn't mind. But yeah, it's not my one other favorite thing, headstock out there. Yeah, one other thing I like about this one is that it has a maple board, and generally I prefer rosewood and ebony boards over maple boards. But this has the vintage tinted one, so you've got a poly finish on the front of the fingerboard too. And that mm. feels very different to the kind of, I don't know, I call them naked maple boards that you get, for example, on the, the Fender player guitars or on the Squire mm. Affinity Tele. So I much prefer that. This is one maple board, which I'm very happy to play, the vintage tinted one. Nice. Yeah. I really like the three-color sunburst as well. So Yeah. It cl- looks like a classic guitar. It can do a lot of different things. It does. Again, it would look so much better with Rosewood. But there we go. Personal taste here. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm becoming more and more fan of the maple fretboards, actually, actually, so I do not mind. But number five, uh, okay. <laughs> Fender Player Plus Nashville Telecaster. This is a very recent range of guitars, right? Yeah, the Player Plus came out three or four weeks ago. Yeah. And already it's one of the best telecasters you can get. Five stars. Exactly. And yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, the Nashville telly is basically a telly with a Strat pickup in the middle position. And I think it also yep. has a Strat neck pickup. I'm not certain of that. We'll have to check um, in the text. But you get a different variety of Strat and telly sounds. You get that beautiful telly bridge pickup, that twang, and you get the middle Strat sounds. And I think the neck Strat sounds too. Um, uh, here it says it's a tele neck pickup, and based on the look, okay, it's a tele neck pickup in this one, then yeah, but yeah, there are also Fender Player Plus noiseless pickups, which I haven't played mm. yet because these guitars are too new for me to have seen one in the flesh. But it will be interesting to see if these noiseless pickups have the same kind of life and assertiveness yeah. as the, the noisy vintage pickups, yeah. That's true. Yeah, the Nashville. Uh, the I Nashville actually like telly. my telly, the white one, which is yeah. the one I built. Like it used to be, kind of like this, except it had two strat pickups and a traditional telly bridge pickup. And I, I actually kind of like that concept. It's it sounded great. Uh, at some point, I just wanted to get back to the tradi- traditional telly sounds. But every now and then, I'm actually considering whether I should 
put a strat pickup in the middle again. Like make, maybe like pick a black one so you almost can tell there is one and just have a mm. five way switch to get some more suns out of it. Uh, I like the concept of like a three pickup telly. Sounds really good. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's something I would probably personally never use in reality, but <laughs> I don't mind sure. a middle pickup on a strat. I quite like it for some stuff, but it's it's not really something I would bother with. What's the, yep. the plus and minus points on this one? You get the best of the strat and telly. Noiseless pickups are great. Aged candy apple red is especially nice, and the negative point could just get a strat? Question mark. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, for the $1,000 they're asking for this, you could get a Strat. That's true. Yeah. Also from, from the same range of guitars as well. I think they have a Fender Player Plus uh, Strats as well around that price. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Ooh, I like how this one looks. Fender Vintera 50 Telecaster Modified. Uh, a Mexican-made Telecaster powered by custom shop, pick custom shop pickups. Okay. You get my attention now? This looks great. I Again. love that surf green finish with the black board. That looks yes, really definitely. classy. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the first telly that actually has 21 frets. Others were pretty much 22. Unless I'm mistaken. Ah, sorry. I'll take uh, that the back. The other Vintera has 21. Deluxe yeah. One had, yeah, it had 21 as well. Uh, I like the concept of this. So, like, great finishes and value for money. Fender Custom Shop pickups with a four-way selector switch. And they come with the V-shaped necks. So, that's different. What does the four-way selector switch do, then? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I guess we should have watched, like... Uh, demo of this or something uh could be the like two different phases but like with both pickups on that's still the thing some tellies also of. have like a grease bucket circuit or an s1 mm. switching circuit i think it's called where they give you something slightly different i'm sure it's mentioned in the text if you scroll down a tiny bit mm. okay no uh, it doesn't <laughs> oh, there's also the S1 switch as well. So yeah, it has the S1 switch on it, so it's another option. But there we go. We'll have to do some research and find out what the fourth option is. Yes. But yeah, that's a cool telly. The V-shaped neck won't be for everyone, but that's that's kind of a more vintage vibe, isn't it, with the Vintera? The Player and the Player Plus series are for kind of modern people who are not too fussed about the guitars of yore, and the Vintera guitars are for people who really like to keep things traditional. Mm. Yep, definitely. Uh, so so far, I'm also noticing that most of these guitars are around like thousand dollars price range or so. Minus the, I think we're going up in price in the list as well. I expect it to get more expensive see. now. Oh, uh, that's true because the number seven is the Fender Jim Root Telecaster, and this is definitely something different from every other one we've had so far. Uh, first of yeah, all, the, because the least Telecaster type Telecaster ever, I think, isn't it? Um, yeah, it has two EMG pickups. There's the EMG 60 in the neck and 81 in the bridge. Two true heavy metal classics. So, Jim Root uh, is obviously the guitarist from Slipknot. So, 
yeah, it just makes sense. He's playing this. Uh, is this wait a second? Are we talking about his old squire, squire, or are we talking about his new offender one? Because there's a picture of the squire, but we're, I think, talking about the fender there. Yeah, because he's had he's I had both used. Yeah, and yeah, this is a well. I have a friend who had the Fender one. It's a good mm. guitar. It, it, it's for me. It's not really a Telecaster. It's a Telecaster in body shape only. He has <laughs> a a Jazzmaster signature as well, Jim Root. And again, it's for me a Jazzmaster in in the physical looks only. You know, it performs and sounds like a totally different instrument. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That's totally cool. But um, I'm surprised yep. to see this on a list of tellies. Although officially it's called Telecaster, so there you go. Fine. There you go. I mean, yeah, I I kind of like that. There's a Telecaster shaped option by Fender for some heavier stuff. So why not? Yeah, in that sense, it's a it's a good thing. Yep. Does it belong on the list? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, number eight is also something interesting because it's Defender Richie Cotson Telecaster. And this has a single coil-sized bridge humbucker. And then there's a more traditional uh, neck pickup as well. And I've been actually fairly close to buying one at some point. I don't know. There was something that really kind of pulled me in. Uh, then I got to play one, and it didn't feel like my thing in the end. I think on one of the Toman trips I've been there, like I got to try one. And Don't they have like yeah. a massive neck? The the Cotton yes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard as well. But I, I've also heard from everyone who loves tellies that this is the one to get if you're looking for a signature model because it's supposed mm. to be fantastic. Yes. It's, yeah, the neck is definitely the chunkier one, and as they mentioned in the article, uh, the neck may not suit beginners, and I definitely agree, it's one of the more chunky ones I've ever played. Yeah. Can you split that bridge humbucking pickup down to a single coil? Mm, I don't remember. Maybe. Uh, there's... I'm checking that the article, would be an option there. I would also want. If I was buying that. Yeah, there's a serious parallel rotor switch, but I don't think yeah, there's a way to split it. Though I'm pretty sure the twanking uh sorry, the chopper T bridge pickup they have on this Dimasio one that is. Uh, I'm pretty sure it has a split function, but I could be wrong. So yeah, it would definitely be an interesting one for me to try, I think. It looks quite mm. bling as well, so that would be something that would put me off slightly. A bit too much gold yeah. on it for me, but yes, otherwise me. it's supposed to be a great guitar. Yep. Yeah, I have a slight issues with gold hardware. Don't, not sure why, but it just doesn't work for me as well as some other colors. For example, this one, which is number nine, Fender American Professional 2 Telecaster. Yeah, this is also one of the newer range, fairly recent range. Um, this is around fifteen hundred dollars or so, and I think these also had like some V mod two single coils, and 
looks nice. There were some like modern finishes and stuff like that with this range. It's more yeah. Like, they, oh, there's they a have some lovely finishes. As well, yeah. and made in US, so that's nice. Uh, yeah, as, as I mentioned, there were a bunch of cool colors available for this as well. I like it. Yeah, I really like this one. I tried a couple out in stores. There's mm. a million YouTube videos on them as well because these <laughs> guitars were handed out to quite a lot of people when they released. Um, and this is the current kind of standard American built one, replacing, I believe it replaced, I don't know, maybe the Elite series or the American Standard, one of those two from before. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, like they say in the title here, everything you want from a classic telly with modern functionality. It's It marries the vintage and the contemporary worlds and it, it looks great depending on what your choice of finish is. They play great, the ones I've played, and they, they sound great too. They sound like tellies. So no surprise for me to see this one on the list. Yep. Not much else I can actually add to this one. Uh, interesting, number 10 is Defender Jason Isbell Custom Telecaster. <laughs> Channel your inner Grammy winner with this killer telly. <laughs> uh, there's Jason Isbell Telecaster single coils on this as well. Interesting. Yep. Custom design pickups. I'm, I'm a big Jason Isbell fan. I think he's great. Although I prefer his songs where he's playing acoustic as opposed to electric. This is supposed to be a great guitar. Again, it was released in the last year, and I've never seen one in person, but I would love to try one out. Mm. I like the the concept behind the Fender Roadworn series, and this one is lightly aged as well. It it looks fantastic, and Jason Isbell is a massive gear hound as well, so if you watch his premiere guitar rig rundowns and you watch the other gear videos he's done, he knows what he's talking about, and I trust him to have designed an amazing instrument here. He owns a 59 Les Paul too, by the way. Yeah. Nice. I mean, color scheme-wise, I guess that's what he went for with the telly as well. A little bit, there's like a sunburster thing going on. Road-worn chocolate sunburst, to be exact. Don't ever remember seeing a single sunburst described as that before, but there you go. Road-worn chocolate sunburst. Let's go with that. I like it. Uh, I also like road-worn stuff. I I don't need my guitar to be like super shiny or anything like that. So mm. I like this one as well. No, the Acoustasonic Telecaster wasn't the one, last one on the list. Why? Oh, <laughs> uh, number eleven is the Fender American Ultra Telecaster, and this is indeed the priciest one. And Yep, 22 frets, medium jumbo frets, uh, ultra noiseless vintage tele, tele single coil in neck and bridge. Uh, I have some issues with the words uh, ultra noiseless and vintage in the same sentence, but maybe that's just me. (laughs) Somehow it doesn't fit. Uh, Yeah, the, the ultra range replaced the Elite range from a couple of years before. I really, really wanted to get one of the Fender Elite guitars and played one and loved it, but it was never the right time or I never had the money to get one and now they've been replaced by the Ultra range. 
They have all these modern fixtures and fittings. It's the highest level of vendor that you can get to without going custom shop, basically. Mm. So you can expect a beautiful telly in every respect if you get one of these. I mean, again, it's if you like those noiseless vintage pickups, because some people just don't. Yeah. True. I like that. <laughs> Plus point is a very pla- a very playable telly. Cool. That's good to know. <laughs> good to know. Thanks. Uh, I love the name of the finishes, finish options they have. There's an Arctic Pearl, Co- Cobra Blue, Mocha Burst, Texas T, and Ultra Burst. Those are Exciting cool names as well. So, oh, locking tune is so, as well. Yeah, so this is like a professional level instrument in every sense. Yeah, exactly. With modern modern fixtures and fittings on it as well. Yeah, yeah. I would love so to try it, one that, out. Yeah, you should go to a music shop, try all of these out. Because the the interesting thing about this list is that these are all tellies that have been released in the last few years, apart from the Richie Cotson and the, the first Jim Root is a bit older as well, but you mm. can buy all of these in stores. How how surprising. How surprising indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Fun so list. It's an interesting list. Can... Yeah. I, I like the list, but it is basically every telly you can buy right now with affiliate links on the site. Yeah. So make of that what yeah. you will. Yeah, pretty much. Like, didn't feel like uh, there was any other kind of um, criteria for this list, I guess. Then just here's the 11 guitars you can buy now. And then the, maybe, maybe there's like a fine print somewhere like this. List is sponsored by Fender, and there's affiliate links. As yeah, well. it's there's also a few kind of newer tellies that I'm surprised are not on the list. For example, the recent Jay Massis signature one. Did we discuss that on the show? I'm not sure if we did, but that came out a couple of mm. months ago. That's a beautiful blue sparkly telly with a, a bit of road worn aspects on the neck, but not the body. There's another road-worn telly that came out in the last year or so, which is a more standard one, which I would have put on the list as well. I would have maybe considered a few more classic vibe models too. Yeah. But there we go. I mean, we, we didn't get to pick this list. Maybe we should make our own telly list at some point. But yeah, we'll probably have to. Music Radar always delivers with the, with the interesting lists. I like it. Yeah. So this was Guitar World, but the site looks exactly like <laughs> Music Radar. They are under the same brand umbrella, aren't they? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Guitar World is the American version. Yep. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah, but I mean, it's always fun to dive in into these, even though I just don't take them too seriously. That's all I'm going to say. But good bit of fun, and more fun is to be had, or something like that. Words create sentences and chords create songs. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking and jump to albums of our lives next. Yes, thank you. Like plastic on a CD shelf, these are the albums of our lives. Yeah, so my album pick of the week is this. Kaboom! Alter Preach Black bird and looking at this album or like figure finding out stuff about this album made me feel a bit old 
because I was introduced to this band in 2007 when this album came out and I saw the first single Rise Today uh, on a music TV channel back when that kind of thing existed. And I was like, okay, this actually sounds kind of cool. What is this band? And I remember seeing that song several times. Then I decided to find out more about them. And yeah, find out that it's a band called Alter Bridge. And also that uh, three of the members of that four-piece band are from Creed, which we all loved and remember fondly. Uh, and yeah, uh, <laughs> I might have been sarcastic to all the Creed fans. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> some of those songs are just just quite something. Anyway, yeah, Other Bridge is the trio of musicians from uh, Creed, and then Miles Kennedy on vocals. And Miles Kennedy is known, like before this, he was in the band called Mayfield 4. And pretty much from there, he jumped to Alter Bridge. And the first album they recorded, so this is the second album, by the way, I should mention. The first album they recorded was very, the, let's say there was a lot of Creed influences in it. Like a very kind of this, slow and heavy songs and stuff like that. With this one, they definitely upped the tempo quite a bit and kind of started to do their own thing. And I think this is also when Miles Kennedy jumped on the second guitar because uh, during the first album, they didn't actually know that Miles is an incredible guitar player as well. And he was basically just a singer. And like if you watch the live shows from that era, He's not playing yet. Like nowadays, I think on most of the songs, he also plays guitar. And as I mentioned, he's an incredible guitar player. And when you pair that with Mark Tremonti, who is like a world famous guitar player as well, they have quite the duo. And you can hear that duo on this album. Uh, because, well, first of all, Jumping back a little bit, I think it's kind of ballsy to call <laughs> the album Blackbird because there's this one little song that is known by everyone from this little band called The Beatles. And yeah, I kind of like that. And overall, I think this actually isn't my favorite album from them, but it has some of the best songs they've written. And also this was the album that introduced me to the band that made me like the band and that the album that act, like especially introduced me to Miles Kennedy's singing and I'd say he's probably top three most influential vocalists for me personally. So that's what makes that that's the thing that makes this album such a big thing for me, even though I don't think all of the songs are that great. But yeah, I think you mentioned like when I I, like this this time I did spoil it for you a little bit telling what album I'm picking and you're familiar with the band right yes I am what's your overall oh, opinion of what <laughs> I thought that was it um I, I've never been personally a huge fan of the band or Creed I wasn't a Creed fan either but 
I have massive amounts of respect for them as musicians. I think Miles Kennedy is an amazing singer and Mark Tremonti is a hugely influential guitar player. You know, five or 10 years ago, he was kind of like what John Mayer is today. He was the guy mm. on the cover of guitar magazines and stuff like that. And he seems to have taken a bit of a backseat in that respect. I guess Alterbridge haven't done that much recently. Maybe they have, I just don't follow them closely enough. But yeah, incredible musicianship. There's some great songs on here. And the one thing that we talked about before we started recording the show was that I always remember that the solo from Blackbird was repeatedly yes. voted the best guitar solo of all time on no less than musicradar.com. There so you go. that was always a big thing. And I know that Alter Bridge were able to very, very, very effectively mobilize their fans to help them win that there. But still, that's a pretty big accolade. So, you know, for me personally, as I've said, I'm not a huge fan of the band, but I know so many of the songs from this album and others. Mm. They're just there in my head because you get to hear them because they were so huge back in the day and great musicianship. And I'm waffling here, but I approve your pick is the conclusion to to my thoughts oh thank you that was a sigh of relief that rich approved the album pick because yeah yeah as i mentioned i don't think this is the best album but it has a few of the best songs and it's the one that i remember the most just because uh it kind of hit me especially like vocals voice and also like i do enjoy mark tremondis playing quite a bit and it's all like because it's been so many years that I've followed this band, almost what fifteen years almost at this point. Uh, it's really cool to see like guys that were big at like and super skilled at the time already when this band started to see like still like how much they've grown since then and how like I, what I've always liked about this band is also like they haven't been shy about talking about their insecurities and like how they've grown over this time because as I mentioned like Miles has always been a great guitar player or like since he was in Mayfield 4 and so on but like he's talk he's openly talked about like how he didn't want to push his guitar playing when he joined the band he didn't like he almost kept it secret that he's a great guitar player and the other band members kind of pushed him hey dude you're amazing please play guitar with with this band as well. And the same thing is like Mark, I don't know if he sang backing vocals in Creed, but I think it was Miles who then started to say to Mark, hey, you're a great back background singer, but you could also do leads. How about we start doing songs where we share the lead vocal stuff? And that eventually led to some songs where Mark was also doing some of the lead parts. and. As we now know, it actually led him to releasing some of his solo albums as well, where he's the main singer and he's a great singer. Really cool to hear like this rock, deep baritone guy do his thing. And uh, yeah, there's so many kind of levels of appreciation and kind of fondness to this particular album because it kind of started this journey that has been going on for over 10 years now. And even though as I've mentioned hundreds of times, this probably isn't my favorite album. It has some of the best songs 
that they've ever created and I highly recommend everyone to check at least those out. Uh, I really like the first one. I'm going to cheat the track with the checklist just a little bit. Uh, I like Ties That Bind quite a lot. Come to Life is also a cool song. These very, very heavy riffs. Uh, but then there's Before Tomorrow Comes is a cool thing. Uh, Rise Today is borderline cringy because the chorus is just, yeah, yeah, I want to rise today and change this world. And that, that A nice positive <laughs> message. That's true. But still, it's kind of funny. Uh, Blackbird is an amazing song, lyrically, composition-wise. Has the best guitar solo in the world, as proven by Ever. Music Radar. And it's, by, by the way, shared by Miles Kennedy, and then Mark Timoney kicks in later. Mm. And then uh, Watch Over You is the song that introduced me to open G tuning and I remember tuning my acoustic guitar to open G and learning this song on my acoustic guitar because it's a cool riff. Like structure-wise, it's a very simple song, but it just sounds really... It just sounded different because it was played on an open G tuning and I'm kind of rambling different points of that remembering about this band, but yeah... Highly, highly influential album, especially because of Miles Kennedy. And there's something I'm working on where I might be taking a deeper dive into his singing and songwriting style and all kinds of things. That's a teaser for whenever that video comes out. So stay tuned. But yeah, probably one of my top three albums of all time. Very cool. And of course, from the gear perspective, you know, we talk a lot about gear oh, on this yes. show. Good Mark point. Tremonti has left a massive footprint on the world of the electric guitar. You know, if you've ever Absolutely. played a PRS Tremonti, you'll know they're, they're great, great instruments. We've talked quite a bit about players in recent weeks who have amazing signature guitars, which have almost become their own thing and have their own identity, you know, like John Petrucci mm. and Steve Lukather and Mark Tremonti, I would put in that bracket as well. You know, amazing yep. guitar player, great, great band doing great music, and now the PRS Tremen Trementi? <laughs> the PRS Tremonti <laughs> is a guitar Tremendi. that you'll see people playing who don't even associate themselves with Alter Bridge, probably. They just yep. picked an amazing guitar. Yeah. Tremendi. And also, like, something I forgot to mention is, like, what happened, like... Uh, I think Alterbridge was the one that kind of... I, I know that Tremonti was playing PRS in Creed already, but feel like Alterbridge introduced him to a huge new audience. And then what like what Alterbridge did to Miles Kennedy was like, he is performed... like He's part of the Slashes band, first of all. Yes, yeah. that... And and he's been the lead vocalist for that for years. And apparently they're actually working on the new album as well right now. And uh, did he even like sing with Guns and Roses for a while? Maybe, maybe not. But like everybody was saying, like, okay, he he like if there was anyone who could ever replace Oh, come on, Guns N' Roses vocalist. I'm Axel Rose. There you go. If like anyone could ever like replace Axel Rose on Guns N' Roses, it would be Miles. And yeah. 
Yeah, he's so an amazing singer. Yeah, yeah. So many different aspects. Oh, and by the way, Miles Kennedy's solo albums are really cool as well and very different from everything else he's been doing. And yeah, I've never listened to yeah. those actually, but I will I will check them out. I've never listened to Tremonti's solo stuff either. I guess I've oh. got some uh, some music listening to do this week and this weekend, so that's exciting. Yeah, definitely. I highly re- like I love the first uh, Miles Kennedy solo album. It really cool this acoustic dark folkish stuff with his signature singing style. I think you might like it quite a lot, actually. So, yeah, give it a listen. I will. Unlikely. <laughs> Damn it. I should have answered that first time. Oh, well. <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> we need to like include some sound bites here, which is just unlikely. <laughs> One of these days. But yeah, there you go. That was my long rambling albums of our live speak of the week and yeah we'll be back next week with this segment and before we wrap up it is time to jump to the weekend starting segment called the weekend watch watch it watch it watch it watch it watch it video it's not like you have anything else to do i have a huge ego so i'm promoting my own video on the weekend watch uh the video is called how to make acoustic duo sound huge i have double sound sound words in the title by the way well done me huge and ambient and it's part of my how i mixed it series where in this episode i take uh, the christmas song thing i did with my sister last year basically it was acoustic guitar two, two of us on the vocals and i made it nice huge and ambient and yeah i basically teach you how i recorded it and how i mixed it so it sounds very moody and kind of takes the just the acoustic performance to a different level and that by the way is on the new channel so go check it out you'll learn a thing or two or maybe it will inspire you to create your own acoustic covers that you will then make sound huge so yeah that's all i can say about this oh that was a nice edit in the video and i need to fix the title but never mind that uh yeah this was one of the videos like i spent a lot of time doing this planning this and as we talked about at the beginning of the show like just didn't get any views even though i think i would like to think this is information people are interested in and a lot of people record stuff at their homes and want Want their music to sound a certain way, and I hope this lesson will help you. There's more production breakdowns and mix breakdowns coming on the channel in the future as well. So head over there, subscribe for more stuff. Great. I shall be watching it this weekend. I might cheat and watch it before the weekend, but that's not technically breaking the rules, is it? No, would they ever know? Uh, I don't think Not I can I don't check tell whether anybody you on the podcast. No, so sorry. Not if I don't tell anybody about this on the public yeah. podcast that we're yeah. doing right now. Exactly, it's it'll be good fine. That you didn't mention this right now, so no. Nope. Yeah, I don't know. Excellent. Where I'm going no with harm this. done. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's a useful lesson, but then again, I'm biased here, so what do I know? And that wraps up 
this week's Cat Big Fridays episode number 35. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Have a great weekend. All the stuff in the description and ways to support what we do as well. And there's a nice discount on the songwriting course for the podcast watchers, watchers, viewers, and listeners. Coffee is something I shall need or do need. One of those things. Time to wrap up. Thank you, Rich, once again for joining me. Have a great weekend. Bye, podcast. Bye, podcast.